Thank you all. I mentioned in the early service, I want to mention it again. Uh, you'd be surprised how many cowboys know how to play the guitar. And, uh, you know, cowboy camp where we go every year involved. This is the sort of thing that happens out in the cabins after worship service is over when people get around and just sing and do cowboy stuff. And uh, that's really neat. Jack, I appreciate you doing this. It's just not everybody that can be a good cowboy and airline pilot and also play the guitar. By the way, some, some of these cowboys don't play the guitar. Some of them play the French harp. Y'all know what a French harp is, right? And so uh, that's a harmonica for some of you. But anyway, uh, it's, it's a wonderful experience. Thank y'all. Thank you, Jack, for doing this. And Steve for doing this. My text today is found in uh, Mark chapter 5. Chapter 5, I'm smiling because in the early service I said chapter 6 and got everybody messed up. Mark chapter 5, we'll begin reading with verse 21. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. <clears throat> if you have your Bible, you can follow with us. If, you, if not, follow us on the screen, that's fine. But sort of stay up with us because we like to talk about uh, what the Scripture says. Mark 5, 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake... A large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see all the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, 
Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together, please. Father, as we pray, we pray again that you will be with us in these moments. We thank you for this time of worship this morning. Thank you for the time of Sunday school. And thank you just for the opportunity to be able to get together and worship. Father, we pray that you will speak to our hearts, speak from your scripture, speak to our hearts today. We all got needs, and we come from different situations, and we're dealing with different kinds of problems. We all have needs, and we pray that in it all, you will deal with us today. And I pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. These are touching stories. Touching in one way because the woman reached to touch the hem of uh, the Lord's uh, clothes. And in the other way, the Lord took the little girl's hand in his hand and touched her. They're touching stories. But they're also touching stories if you'll think a minute about the situation at hand. Any of you who at any time in your life has ever prayed for a child and had a child in, in a situation where they might not live, you've prayed for that child, you can understand how touching the story really is. This happened to us. Years ago, when my daughter was just a baby, uh, she was in the hospital, she had a staph infection, and of course we were concerned, but we didn't know how much to be concerned. And then the doctor told us he thought that she might die. And we got really concerned really quickly. And I went home, got out on my knees, and cried out to God. I promised God all sorts of things. Um, some of those things, uh, that's not a good way to pray, by the way, but that's what I did. I promised God all sorts of things, and then she got well, and I had to, I had to deliver on some of those things. But the point is, I was crying out to God, I understand a father coming. And if, you, if we were to take this, it says here, uh, he pleaded earnestly in, in my translation. Um, originally, uh, or, or the original says, he begged a lot. He got down on his knees before the Lord and he begged a lot. Please come. Please, please touch my daughter so that she could live and not die. And if that doesn't touch your heart, I don't know what would. And then you've got this, you've got this, this woman who's, who's got this problem, health problem, and it's a bad health problem. She's gone to all kinds of doctors, and to all the doctors she's gone, she's done everything they wanted her to do, and, and she just got worse. And no matter what they told her to do, she did, she just got worse, got worse, she got worse. And she was desperate. And as a matter of fact, if you'll think about how hard it was for her to get to him, because over those, in those lands, any third world country you go to, People crowd around you. Uh, you know, we talk about six feet of space nowadays, but even when before we had to have six feet, all of us had to have our private space. Those of us who are Americans, we need a, a certain private space. Well, I'll tell you, you go to a foreign country, you don't get that private space because they crowd around you, and they crowd around you tightly, and everybody's pushing to see who can get closer to the front. Everybody is pushing together, and somehow she fought her way through that crowd to touch him because she was desperate. And if we, can, if we can pick up on the idea of how desperate these were, and also both of these stories are about untouchables. They're about people who were, quote, 
unclean in Old Testament terminology. And unclean meant if a, if a person touched them, if you touch an unclean person, or if an unclean person touches you, then you can't go to worship. You're just flat or not welcome to worship. And that's, uh, that was the picture that's evolved here. They were untouchables, both of them. And, and, and Jesus, well, Jesus just didn't worry about these rules. They came to him, and he overcame these rules because he was more worried about the people involved than he was the rules. Jairus had a problem coming. Jairus' problem was that he was a synagogue leader, and that meant, that meant he was probably a Pharisee himself. If he was not a Pharisee, he certainly was close to the Pharisees because he was the one that arranged all the services, took care of the administration, all that sort of thing around the synagogue itself. And so both of these, both of these people had to overcome barriers, overcome barriers in order to get to Jesus. And what we find out in this story, just like, by the way, there's a series of stories that Mark puts together here, and I think is, is, is worth us mentioning, a series of stories beginning with chapter 4, Verse 35, where Jesus calmed the storm. Now, I preached about that a couple of Sundays ago. I'm not going to ask you if you remember. Um, I, I said in early service, I want to say again, uh, a couple of Sundays ago, I preached on a certain, certain uh, 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 passage of Scripture. I came Wednesday night and asked the people how many of them remembered, and not a one of them remembered. Not a one of them remembered what I preached on. So I don't expect you to remember what I preached on, but I'm telling you, I preached several weeks ago, and this was where he calmed the storm. And all those, all those fishermen, you know, made their living fishing. What did they say? They said, wow, what kind of a man is this? He even commands the winds and the waves. Uh, and, and then he goes and deals with this demoniac. This guy's got all of these, this p power of evil, all these, all these demons with, within him. And, and he heals him. What Jesus is doing in each one of these cases is Jesus is doing what only God can do. What only God can do. And that was, that was very vital to Mark and to his presenting this gospel. And it was very vital that the, the disciples, you know, they've been with Jesus all the time. And they seemed to just, they were, they were clueless. They were clueless. What do you mean who touched it? You know, by now, they should have thought, well, if Jesus said something, there must be something to it, you know. But no, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's crowding around you. What do you mean who touched you? They're just sort of clueless. And I hope that we, as the Lord's disciples in our day, I hope that we are not clueless about what God may be doing at any point, in any way, in, in, in the world or, or in our lives. So, uh, you, you know, these, these are very vital stories, and they mean a lot. Let's look at the passage just for a moment. I um, already told you in verse, uh, the synagogue leader came and, and he pleaded earnestly. Our earnest prayers make a difference to God. Now, last Sunday, I preached on the woman who came to Jesus and she was concerned about her daughter. And you remember, he was silent. She kept, she kept pleading. Then he answered her negatively. She kept pleading. Then he gave her a harsh answer. She kept pleading. And, and she just hung in there and kept pleading. Our earnest prayers make a difference to God. And, and that's what we find uh, in this particular thing. But faith is, is uh, uh, central to both of these stories. And then the interruption came. It was a divine interruption, but it was an interruption. Is there anybody here that has problems with interruptions? When you're trying to do something, 
and you're trying to do something and some interruption comes along. Is there anybody here that has, I know what my kids say about people that, because I'm one of those people that have problems with interruptions. You know, I want to, I want to complete what I'm doing. And, and, and those of us who are like that, we might say something like, well, let me take care of what I'm doing. And then I, I just wait, let me take care of what I'm doing. But, but Jesus didn't do that. He realized there was a need. He stopped. He dealt with that need. And he, I have learned, I've lived long enough, I've been in the ministry long enough to be able to tell you this morning that most of the real ministry things that happen in life happen in the interruptions. Somebody comes to you and they have a need. And if you don't respond, you miss the opportunity to make a, a, a difference in their lives. So it's an interruption. And she came to him. By the way, in, uh, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 36, it says all those who touched him were healed. Maybe she knew that, something, but she, just, she said, if I just go up and touch his garment, I can be healed. And indeed she was. But in verse 30, you see about the cost of ministry. Jesus felt the power go out of him. The cost of ministry, the power that goes out when you minister. I want y'all to remember when you get a pastor, when you get a real pastor, you know, a long-term pastor. <laughs> I want y'all to remember that when, when we minister to people, there's a certain spiritual power that goes out of us. And it is a taxing job. And you need to be aware, sensitive to your pastor in that sense, always. Because there is, it's costly. There's a sacrifice to ministry. And all of us involved in ministry. There's a sacrifice involved in ministry. And, and just remember that. Keep that in mind. Well, she came and she was, she was scared. The reason she came and she was trembling because she was unclean. To touch him made him unclean. He could be really upset because he was unclean. And that's the reason she was trembling with fear. And he, he responded and he said to her daughter, verse 34, Daughter, your faith has healed you. That word for healed there is the word saved. It's the same word in the New Testament as the word saved. Your faith has saved you. Now, he said that for her sake, but he also said it for the sake of the whole crowd. Your faith has saved you. Uh, there are preachers that would say it was a spiritual saving. I don't know that it was a spiritual saving. What I do know is he may have been saving. You saved your life, your faith. Your faith was what created the atmosphere in which you could do this. And then he told her it was full healing. And then they came and said, well... Don't bother the, the, the rabbi anymore. Don't bother him anymore because uh, your daughter's died. Overhearing this in verse 36, if you'll look, Jesus said, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. Because listen, faith, central to both these stories, faith is the atmosphere in which God can make a difference in our lives. It's the atmosphere. Jump down just for a moment. Uh, with, if you're following me in your Bible, jump down to, to, to chapter 6, verse 1. And let, I just want to read this little story that comes just after this story. Chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began teaching the synagogue. Many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that he's been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performed? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. 
And Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his own relatives, and his own home. And then in verse 5 it says, he could not do, he could not do any miracles there, except lay his hand on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Up in verse 5 where it says he could not do this, this is literally, if we look back to the original, literally, he was not able to do the miracles because there was not the attitude of faith. There was not the atmosphere of faith. Now, God can do anything he wants to, but God chooses to operate in an atmosphere of faith. And I'll, I'll come back and talk about that a little bit later. And so he says, don't, don't, don't fear, only, only believe. And then if you look in verse 37 through 40, you'll see that he had to get rid of the negative energy that was involved. And so he only took three of the disciples, and that's all he took, and he went on. And I'll come back again in a moment and talk about that if I may. And after he put, so, so verse 39, he went in. They were wailing loudly like people do at a, at a death. Verse 38, verse 39, he went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead but asleep. And they laughed at him. They laughed at Jesus. They laughed at him. And he put them all out. And he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, those three disciples, only three, and went in where the child was. And he took her by the hand and said, get up. And immediately she got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. Just a wonderful, just wonderful stories. These stories that, that, uh, that are here. Now, I, I want to go back just for a moment before we go further. I want to go back just for a moment and talk about uh, the fact that these folks were reaching out to the Lord. The father was reaching out to the Lord. The woman comes and she reaches out and touches his hem. They were reaching out to the Lord. And I want to tell you today that when anyone, when anyone reaches out to the Lord, if they sincerely reach out to the Lord, they make connection with God. I, I think I've probably told you before, the, in the Holocaust Museum there in Jerusalem, there's this picture there uh, of when one of the concentration camps were liberated in World War II. And there's this picture of the man in the concentration camp who wanted to be liberated, and he's reaching up his arms like this. And on the other side, there's the picture of this American soldier that came to liberate them, and he's reaching his hands down to him. And this is exactly the picture, I think. God, God is always, uh, you, you know, the, in Romans, the 10th chapter says, all, he said, all the day long, I stretch forth my hands to a disobedient and gainsaying people. All the day long, he is reaching his hand out. In, in Acts chapter 17, when Paul's talking to folks at, at Athens, he says he's talking to a bunch of people that are not Christians, not even Jews, not even believers in, uh, of any sort of uh, biblical religion, not at all. And yet he says, uh, you might reach out and make connection with him because he's not far from any of you. When we reach out to God in sincerity of heart, we make contact with him. And that's one of the real promises that we can claim. Both these people reaching out to, to Jesus Christ in a, in a very meaningful way. Now I want to I want to talk about a couple of things and and I want to talk seriously about these things because um, 
I, I, I won't talk about healing. I won't talk with you about healing. Most of us who've been around the church for a while have known people who were, who were really healed, people who were in situations that were in dire straits, and they were healed. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but there's a couple of people here I can talk about. One of them is Jack, people who've been healed. And we've seen people who've been completely healed. Here's another one over here. It's Mike. He went through this, this uh, surgery. that was, uh, And we've seen it right here. In answer to prayer, in answer to prayers of God's people, we've seen people be healed, miraculously healed. I, I, I want you to know that's a real thing. And we've got, we've got the examples. And we've got another person in this church, not here today, but another person in this church that is beginning to see the light after being like this woman, going seeing all these doctors and all this stuff, beginning to see the light. And we're hoping that she's going to find that healing as well. Right here among us, that's happening. But folks, everybody doesn't get healed, physically healed. And that's just the truth as well. So I think healing takes place in a lot of ways. And I just want to talk with you for just a moment about, about healing. Sometimes there is complete physical healing, like in this story that we've got here. Complete physical healing. Um, sometimes there's not a physical healing, but there is a, a, a healing that happens when we go to heaven. And the truth is, heaven is the ultimate healing for all of us. If we really believe what we say we believe, if we really believe what we, what we preach and teach, then going to heaven, folks, is not the worst thing that can happen. It's just not. And, and when we, we get to heaven, we're going to be healed for all eternity. All eternity. Absolutely, totally healed. And we need to, get, we, we need to grab that healing. Sometimes healing takes place in that way. Uh, bishop Warren Chandler was a, a beloved bishop, and he was about to die, and one of his friends came to him and said, Warren, tell the truth. Are you afraid to cross the river of death? And Chandler said, my friend, he said, my father owns the land on both sides of the river. Why should I be afraid? Both sides of the river. And it's a good thing for many of us that our loved ones are there in heaven. And things are well with them. Sometimes healing happens that is, there's not a physical healing that happens, but a spiritual healing takes place. Sometimes God does not grant that physical healing, but he gives a spiritual healing to the person involved and to the loved ones involved. Uh, Leslie Weatherhead, the great English preacher from bygone days, great preacher, and he preached a sermon called Why Do Men Suffer? And in that sermon, he talked about his mother and his sister. I don't want to give you a quote out of that sermon. He talked about, he said, whose bodies were defeated in the battle against painful disease, but who from the defeat rested a spiritual victory. Rested, W-R-E-S-T-E-D. That's, that's an old English word that means we're able to grab, they were able to grasp. Um, who from the defeat rested a spiritual victory, 
which challenged and inspired all who knew them. I think a lot of us have seen situations when someone um, was ready to die and they were ready. And they, had such a, they had such a positive attitude about it and they were, they were ready to go be with God. I, I cannot tell you how many times I've stood with people going into serious surgery before they went into surgery. And I asked the question that, that every, every pastor, I guess, asked, are you ready to meet God? Because sometimes they don't come out of those surgeries alive. Are you ready to meet God? And I cannot tell you how many of, of, of my people have said, Pastor, I want you to know, I don't particularly want to die, but I want you to know, if, if need be, I'm ready to meet God. There's such an inspiration that comes from that that makes a difference. One friend that I've told you about in another sermon was, was a fellow that, that had a positive attitude all the way through. It came time, it came time to die, and he looked up at his wife, and he, said, he says to his wife, he says, uh, all these people are here waiting for me to die, right? And she said, yep. Yeah. And he said, well, I better get on with it. <laughs> I've got a friend, uh, like a second father to me from El Paso. He lived to be 101. And uh, I was not there with him when he died, but he went, uh, the pastor there went to see him uh, the day before he died. And he said, he said, Ed, how you doing? And he said, I'm trying to die. Just can't get it done. <laughs> Listen, folks, would, if we believe heaven is all we believe it is, all we say it is, then it's okay for people to go to heaven. And that's a healing. That in itself is a healing. I don't think any of us want to die. But the truth is, that's sometimes not the worst thing that can happen. And, and we need to understand that kind of healing uh, as, as well. Going to heaven, uh, having, the, having the victory. I had one, one friend from California, a pastor, who said he prayed for his mother and his, his daughter. And his mother was healed. Uh, his mother and his wife, excuse me, his mother and his wife. His mother was healed, but his wife passed away. But, he said... God let her know how much he loved her. See, healing comes in a lot of ways. And sometimes healing comes to those of us who are left behind. Our loved one goes and we are missing that person so much and grieving over that person so much. And God comes to grant us healing as we move on with our lives. Uh, John Claypool, a great preacher, uh, lost his little, little daughter, little little daughter, Linda Lou, uh, to cancer. And he said he was so angry. He said, he said God's going to have to answer some way. God's going to have to answer to me for that. But by the time he was able to get up to the pulpit and preach his first sermon back in the pulpit after, after she had passed away, he preached from uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 30. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and, run and not get weary. They'll walk and not faint. And his testimony to the people was, folks, I want you to know I'm not soaring like an eagle and I'm not running and not uh, getting tired, but I want you to know I am walking and I'm not fainting. Sometimes God's miracle comes to us in that way, healing. And then I want to talk to you about faith just for, just for a few moments because faith is the atmosphere in which in which God works. And so if you look in verses 37 uh, down to 40, what, what Jesus did was he got all these negative people out of the way. He just got them out of the way because, because he did not need that negative energy 
He needed that atmosphere of faith in order. I don't know why God has chosen to, to operate in an atmosphere of faith, but that's obviously what he's chosen to do. And, you know, Jesus just gets him out of the way. Uh, Lloyd Ogilvie was a great Presbyterian preacher who um, really believed in healing, even had healing services, and later on went to be chaplain of the Senate. Uh, Well-known, great preacher, Lloyd Ogilvie. And he said this, I just want to quote what he said. He said, the miracle could not take place in a negative atmosphere. And then a quote, I have seen the power of God limited by unbelieving, resistant people. When it comes time to pray for the gift of healing or deliverance, I never pray when someone uh, is present who is closed to the possibility. Just get them out of the way. It's the atmosphere of faith in which God works. And the enemy of faith is doubt. And all of us struggle with doubt. All of us. The enemy of faith is doubt. And what we must do is we must be like that like that. Uh, father of the boy Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and, and the disciples could not heal this man's son and he came to Jesus and said I came to your disciples they couldn't heal him and then he looked at Jesus and said if you can please help us and Jesus said what do you mean if I can the question is not if I can the question is can you believe the atmosphere of faith and sometimes we have to be like our father he says, he says I believe Help me to believe more. I believe. Help me to believe more. Atmosphere of faith is the atmosphere in which God is able to do his work. A couple of other things I want to say. I'm going to say it quickly. I already mentioned the fact of the barriers. And both of these people had to climb over barriers to get to Jesus. Now I want to ask you, is there anybody here that really needs to get to Jesus? And my question is, what barriers are standing in your way of getting to Jesus? And do you have the courage to climb over the barriers to get to Jesus? Those who come to Jesus and come in an attitude of faith, he'll touch their lives and make a difference. The second word I want is the word touch. Because that's so central to this story. They were untouchable, but he touched them. And there's some of us that like the woman need to reach up and touch the Lord. And there's some of us, like that little girl who couldn't reach up any longer, we need the Lord to reach down and touch us. But we need that touch from the Lord. I remember Gaither's hymn, he touched me, he touched me. Oh, the joy that filled my soul, something happened. And now I know he touched me and made me whole. But folks, if the only time you ever were touched was when you became a Christian, you probably need to be touched again by the Lord. And there's some of us here today, I have no doubt, there's some of us here today who need another touch from the Lord. In the 8th chapter of Mark, there's a story about a guy that was blind. And Jesus put his hands on him. He said to the Lord, he said, well, I can see, but people are like trees walking around. And Jesus touched him the second time. And then he could see clearly. Sometimes we need a second touch so we can see clearly. Sometimes we need a second touch so we can go on. Sometimes we need a second touch in order to renew our faith. Sometimes we need a second touch in order to renew our commitment. But sometimes we need a second touch or a third touch or a fourth touch. And if it's been 10 years or more since you had a touch from the Lord, you may need a touch 
today. And it's okay. Reach out and touch him. It's okay. Let's pray. Help us to learn, Lord. Help us to learn about healing. Help us to learn about faith. And God, there's some of us here today that need a touch from you. And Lord, I just pray you give us that touch. We need that touch for whatever reason in our lives. We need that new touch. And I just pray that you give us that touch from on high that would give us new life in Christ. And I pray this in his name. Amen. We're going to stand. Let's stand together. We're going to sing together and have a time of invitation to altar call. I invite you today to come. I don't know your circumstances. I don't know your condition. If there's anybody here that doesn't know Christ as personal Lord and Savior, I want you to know our first order of business is to help you come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Please come. Let us pray with you and talk with you. And we'll take care of that. Maybe you're here and you just need to make a decision for Christ. Maybe the Lord's leading you to come be a part of this church. Oh, it'd be a blessing, this church right now, given all the stuff we're going through, to have some people come and want to be a part of our church. Uh, maybe you just, you don't have to talk to me. This is not about an invitation to me. You don't have to talk to me. Do like some people did in early service today, come and kneel down here and pray and talk to God or sit on these front pews and pray and talk to God. Maybe you can do it right where you're standing. But don't say no to God. Don't say no to God. As God speaks out to you, don't say no. We're going to sing. Time for you to respond. Please do. Please respond. <laughs>